What's up, man? Um, so, I figured, gentlemen, um, that we would get together. I am obviously sitting here in uh, the bar at JFK <laughs> across the table um, from my wonderful fiance, Eleanor. And I figured we just. Hi, Eleanor. Teddy says hi. <laughs> she says hi. Um, and I <laughs> we figured we'd just uh, talk a little bit of the Champions League um, because I think both of our sides, Real Madrid, obviously, is playing Juve, but also Teddy. I think you, you guys are playing, you know, Liverpool Manchester obviously City. playing Manchester City, which is one of the bigger, more interesting matches I think of the of the week. What are, what are your feelings as a Liverpool fan going into that that shit? Actually, it kind of makes me nervous because. Um, we beat them in the league this year and it was like a super insanely awesome game and I feel like it's just ripe for some sort of like disappointing failure <laughs> I mean you like, it, like that would happen you know like, yeah of course since we like finally beat them in the league and they hadn't lost all year and it was just I don't know I don't know if it can get better than that no well I mean one of the things that I'm really excited about is because of all of these like Pep Guardiola fanboys are like so obsessed with with this particular iteration of his for like his system ohm uh, <laughs> uh that i am well i know you're not like such a huge like pet fan but like i also know that like it would be really dope if like klopp who runs like whatever the opposite of his system is like just very very direct attacking football that is just absolute like smash mouth stuff that i adore were to beat him on this you know, and, and, and make it, like, what, five, six years in a row that his teams have crashed out despite, like, over being, like, a sense of overwhelming favorites going in. Was that for me? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think if there's one team that in the English league that, that could potentially beat Manchester City over two legs, it would be Liverpool simply because... The way Jurgen Klopp plays is probably the most disruptive for Pep Guardiola's style of, of, of football, which is possession football from the back, building up in a very structured sense. And and he's always going to build up from the back no matter what. And so what most teams in the Premier League have done has been to try to sit deep and let Manchester City come on to you. And, and that's basically been suicide because... Pep Guardiola teams are just too good when you let them do that, but it's also been suicide to press high up the pitch and let them cut through you and then play through balls into Sané and Sterling on the wing when they have acres of space to attack you. But when Klopp beat City, it was because he pressed really, really well, and it's a high-risk strategy, but if you can pull it off, it'll disrupt City's build-up, it'll, it'll destroy their rhythm, and it will give you high-quality opportunities when you win the ball back and there's never I don't think there's been a better pressing coach in history than Klopp so if there is if there's one team that could that could do it um from England it would probably be Liverpool and I'd give them a pretty decent chance even though I'd still favor Manchester City right like I mean Teddy you must feel basically the same way right like this is this is a like hell of exciting Liverpool team but like this Manchester City side has been absolutely steamrolling absolutely fucking everyone they play so like you've got to feel like if you're gonna do it it would be dope but also like be realistic i mean they just don't really lose this year except they did lose against wigan that was pretty funny um, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. in the fa cup i think um 
but yeah, um, it, it's it's all, all speaking of that uh, really exhilarating game that we played at them uh, in the league. Liverpool actually almost pissed it away at the end. It was four three, but we were up four one, like halfway through the second half. And so they, they're really scary. They can come back from like um, pretty bad situations. Well, he has that that this Manchester City side, right? It has that um, old school Barcelona energy to it, where you just feel like there's never um, <laughs> there's never a solid lead against them. But I, I, I don't know, Ohm or, or either of you guys, if you've seen them slip into like one of those like classic Pep problems, like where they they possess the ball but don't actually push it forward particularly well. So like one of like the big you know knocks on Pep Guardiola's style like over the past you know ten years or so is that his teams will occasionally kind of um, resort to just kind of this possession as defense where. In, even in situations where they need to score, like they'll do maybe too much of this rotational passing where they don't look to find a through ball. And I don't know if this Manchester team has been as as guilty of that. Oh, I'm like, I, I almost feel like the, the the personnel that he has created is one of the first post-Messi Pep teams that actually does have that attacking bite that maybe his Bayern didn't really have. Yeah, I would I would say that really hasn't been a problem for Manchester City, mainly because I think De Bruyne is is the type of player who enjoys playing high risk passes and he likes doing it a lot and he's very accurate in it, so it doesn't really cost his team. So Pep I think is comfortable to sit back and <clears throat> and let De Bruyne go out and do his thing and play these ridiculous passes that wouldn't come off most of the time for most players and and that really suits his wide players Sterling and Sané who are fast quick they they need those types of passes to thrive and so I think this iteration of of Pep Guardiola's team is one of his more incisive attacking teams due to the personnel that he has and to me that I, I in the matches I've seen I've never seen that you know that issue that you mentioned be a problem for them for this Manchester City side but like it's been a problem historically occasionally uh like for his Bayern side in particular looked really listless his last year I mean uh, I'd say I'd say on occasion it has I I tend to think of Pep Guardiola's sides as always being purposeful in possession Mm -hmm. but I do think towards the tail end of the seasons when Pep was with Bayern they had won the league so comfortably that they just lost a little bit of that sharpness and focus that is necessary in the latter stages of the Champions League. So it did come back to bite them, and I think that you know that's just going to affect all phases of play, including you know when you're in the final third trying to play incisive passes. If you're not 110, percent it's going to become a lot more difficult. Well, do you feel that happening potentially with the with the the Premier League? I mean, like they're close to wrapping that shit up as we speak. Like it's possible that they. You know, they'll lose that edge moving forward, and, yeah, and it is. if you don't yeah. have that edge against a team like Liverpool, like obviously Liverpool is going to make you pay. Any Klopp team will, but especially a Klopp team where, and Teddy, I'm I would be really interested in hearing your thoughts on this. But and a Klopp, you know, Klopp team that relies on like the absolute total genius of Mo Salah, right? Who has become this absolute groundbreaking. You know, Roma was so robbed. <laughs> I mean, it was though, right? I mean, Ohm, did we ever look back? At, I mean, like, at what point do we, 
look back at these series of transfers involving this player and realize that we were all brutally wrong. Like, what did Klopp do to turn this well, dude into into who he is? I just want to say that while I didn't think Salah would be this good, I I never I never thought he was a bad player. I thought Mourinho never used him correctly, and I thought didn't give him enough of a chance. Um, I, th- I thought he was an exceptional player at Roma. I didn't think he was world class. You know, when he played against Madrid, he, I mean, he he destroyed us, and then he'd like either miss, you know, miss the goal yeah. really stupidly, or he just run the ball out of play. And you got the sense that he was a really really good talent, but he was still a little raw, which yeah. is probably why Mourinho didn't have patience with him. I think what Klopp has just done. I think this is the natural maturation of a player who's who's in his peak, coupled with Klopp designing a system that is just perfect for him, right. a counter-pressing system that plays on the counter-attack and gives Salah lots and lots of chances to score. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that for a player of his profile. And I think it's just, you know, his own development coupled with that system that's allowed him to, allowed him to shine. I'm really happy for him because... I've always enjoyed him as a player, and I didn't think he would become this good. And now that he has, I mean, it's just a joy to watch. So, Teddy, is he, is he going to look really good in that Real Madrid white shirt next year? <laughs> God, I hate those rumors. People are already starting it. It's I wouldn't mind him at Real Madrid, I'm just saying. Oh, you, of course. I mean, he's he's on fire. Everybody wants him on their team now. Wait, um, Ohm, you said you don't want him? That I wouldn't mind him on their team. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a hot take. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he also Salah benefits immensely from having a center forward in Roberto Firmino. That mm-hmm. is, um, absolutely, like the least selfish like striker I've ever seen. At least, and I only watch Liverpool. I don't watch a lot of other, a lot of other leagues. But um, <clears throat> he just runs constantly and like drags people out of position and lays the ball off. And it's it's definitely um, Salah has benefited from that kind of. Um, support from the other guys. Yeah. The what you're saying is he's the exact type of striker that Real Madrid fans hate. Oh, is it? I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, because he's. I mean, I I made this comparison uh, a while back, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. He's similar to Benzema yep. in what he does. Oh, okay. And sure. Real Madrid fans don't like Benzema because he's not, or a lot of Real Madrid fans don't like him because he's not a classic number nine, and he's a false nine who's. Who's played the way he has to to benefit players like Ronaldo and oftentimes Bale, and that's what Firmino is doing to benefit Salah. Yeah, and and one of yeah. the things about Benzema, right? He grew up. I mean, and we we kind of undersell this a little bit, but like he came to Real Madrid when he was quite young and still in his developmental process, and he grew up as a player next to right the best finisher and the best you know, offensive creator that Real Madrid has ever seen and arguably that's ever been in the entire world and he developed his game in relation to making Ronaldo better and 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 having you know creating a offensive dynamic that flattered and allowed Ronaldo to reach the heights that he has and like that's borne out in the stats when you see Ronaldo without Karim Benzema on the pitch he doesn't I mean, like, he's still incredibly brilliant, but, like, Benzema's entire game has been made to to accentuate Ronaldo's virtues, and that's still true today. Absolutely, absolutely. So he's not going to move to Paris to get out of Ronaldo's shadow? No, Benzema would never move. The problem is that the... No, no, I know, but, like, on some level, like, we have these Real Madrid fans who are all clamoring for it, right? They're all asking, like, well, what Real Madrid really need is to get rid of Benzema so that, you know, Ronaldo can slot into that that nine role and, and, and we have other players come in or whatever. And like, actually like people like just like with Firmino, right. They really undersell the role that Benzema has 
in the current offense, but also that literally Benzema, like, what, what, what does his game look like if you take him out of Real Madrid and stick him on, like, and this is the rumor that I heard, guys, which is, I think, hilarious. What if you, you stick him at Arsenal? Like, what is he going <laughs> like, to do? He's not going to look... Like, is he going to go back to being that, like, because the talent, the, the prospect that he was when he was at Lyon was that he was this really big, powerful, right, striker who could bully people off the ball, had a lot of pace and a really strong shot. He still has all of those, but what he's developed also is, like, an unbelievably keen eye for finding people in space and finding that extra pass and being a facilitator. And, like, you stick him on a team that already, like, can't score any fucking goals, like Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Although they did score three today, they did. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, but I, uh, uh, I mean, and like it—the it, it, person that he—I mean, it's—it's it's fascinating that you would compare him to Firmino because one of the things that Evan and I talk about on this show all the time is, uh, is how Benzema reminds me a little bit uh, of Harry Kane in 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 his simply in his level of skill, right? And I think if Madrid were to bring Kane, you know in, I think he actually would be able to perform maybe not quite the same level, but a lot of the same functions as Benzema. I'm interested, Ohm, to hear what, what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I mean, Kane would be my number one Benzema replacement because we all know Benzema's, he, he's, he's declining now. I mean, it's natural. He's in his 30s. His finishing has been pretty bad this season, even though I think the other aspects of his game, especially in 2018, have, have been pretty good. And I think Kane, especially if we're considering of hold, considering holding on to Ronaldo for a couple more seasons, I think Kane's the perfect choice. Yeah. I think he's a brilliant goal scorer, and he 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 started off his career as a number ten. He still has, he he still has that kind of instinct. He has the qualities of of a deep of a deeper lying um, forward. So I think I think he could play off of Ronaldo, accentuate Ronaldo's qualities in a similar way to what Benzema can, and provide a greater goal goal threat than what Benzema is currently providing. So, um, Teddy, when you look at the long-term you know, projection, obviously we brought you on to talk Champions League, and, and I'm, I'm still interested in hearing what you guys think in terms of next, who progresses out of the, the series of matches, but um, I'm interested in how you view sort of the long-term projection of this Liverpool squad, because obviously, like, I'm sure you've heard, whenever Evan comes on, uh, I thank you very much, just got another beer. Um, when, <laughs> whenever Evan Evan comes on, he talks all the time about how Pochettino is building this really long-term Tottenham squad that's just now beginning to realize it's some of its potential. And I think generally he's right, but I think also Klopp is doing the same thing. And I think the emergence of Salah, and even with like losing Coutinho for that much money, I still feel like Klopp has a very similar long-term vision for Liverpool. Um, yeah, I don't really know uh, what the team is going to look like in the medium-term future because it feels like it's a totally different team every year. Um, they Every signing that Klopp makes has been at least like moderately successful, which mm-hmm. is kind of a weird thing as a Liverpool fan to experience. Um, <laughs> but um, No more for, um, uh, uh, Fernando Morientes's. <laughs> right, that poor guy. He was so good at Madrid, um, and at Monaco. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was in the Champions League final at Monaco. He eliminated oh, Real right. Madrid that year. Oh, that sucks. Um, but um, it's it, it was clear as soon as Klopp got hired um, that the team started working harder within like months, uh, especially with forwards defending. Like even 
all the all the four the front three um run run their asses off and get back mm-hmm. and help out the midfield um i think that i don't know what i want to say about this but this um i think that the midfield is actually kind of weak um because they mm-hmm. usually do three in the midfield and there's they kind of get outnumbered sometimes and um there's injury problems and so i think that Klopp will probably we have that nabi keita coming yeah, uh, great signing. Great signing. Amazing. Yeah, and it's it's a it's also one of those things where Klopp, um, as opposed to previous Liverpool managers, he will, once he wants somebody, he will not like be discouraged when it doesn't happen right away and just find somebody not quite as good to fill in. Yeah. He just like doggedly persists and like demands that he gets the one guy, which is uh, that seems to have been a great strategy lately. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so I think there will definitely be um, there's. Well, there's, a, there's absolutely going to be an upgrade in midfield, and a lot of people are talking about a goalkeeper upgrade, which actually may not happen because um, Loris Karius has actually turned out to be pretty, doing pretty well this year, and uh, they're they're not swapping out Minule and um, Karius anymore. Karius is pretty much nailed on number one spot. So, so you feel pretty, um, you feel pretty happy about the kind of long term outlook that you have as oh, a yeah, full pen? the team is young. Yeah, the team is young and talented, and um, I feel like they'll probably only get better in the in the near future. As opposed to, like, what, Manchester United, who's, like, spent a billion pounds over the last five <laughs> years to just be still bad. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I mean, they're still number two. But, um, yeah, and also Mourinho just ruins players, which I don't think happens under Klopp. It owns that he got my favorite player and, like, actually my favorite player in the entire world who I would have killed to bring to Real Madrid and just, like, destroyed him personally and, like, just went at his personality to the point where he's like, yeah, maybe I want to leave now. Like, I love Paul Pogba. I still think that he is Ballon d'Or, like, gold ball, best player in the world caliber. Uh, He's cool, yeah. He's incredible. But, like, he is so been so broken down by Mourinho who I <laughs> it just it, it, it rules that he managed to take this team and then that he goes on to these stupid press conferences and says <laughs> stuff like well here's the problem is that everyone else is spending too much money like how am I supposed to compete <laughs> yeah. with this squad of all these scrubs that I spent a billion pounds to bring <laughs> also Mourinho should be put in prison for what he did to Iker Casillas it's true man Although, um, you're talking, you may be barking up the wrong tree because Ohm and I both are huge Kaylor Navas fans. And definitely. And you should be. And definitely we're ready for the Iker transition out. The problem is that Mourinho made it as painful and unpleasant as possible. Yeah, oh. that's, that's true. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about. Um, so, Teddy, before I let you go. I want to talk a little bit about where you see some of the U.S. men's national team stuff. I don't know if you got to catch the their most recent match, but I... Uh, uh, no, I did not. So they are running out a very exciting team full of what is basically U23 talent that are all in, like, big European systems. Uh, and I know that you're, like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I think I dropped out there for a second. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying that the U.S. men's national team, this is the first time literally in maybe ten, like five years. That, and I know they lost, the, like, like they messed out on the World Cup, but they're running out a team that I actually really, really like. And it's full of these young, exciting players who are incredibly talented. Like I'm sure you've seen Timothy Weah, uh, Christian Pulisic, all of these guys are potentially creating a core of 
American players that you know could do really exciting things in 2022. And I just wanted to get your kind of thoughts on that. I actually have essentially no opinion because I the U.S. men's national team is dead to me. <laughs> and um, fair. Like I haven't paid attention at all, and then 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 Italy not making it just crushed my soul. Buddy, buddy. Um, I know, but so I actually I, I really don't watch the men's national team hardly at all. Um, the only player that's that I'm really familiar with is Christian Pulisic, honestly. Who does um, rule? Sorry. I know he's so fucking good. What the I fuck? would encourage you to uh, plug. You're back making in. me feel better. Yeah, like you should plug. Back are they in, like man. worth watching now? Well, yeah, because what because what they're doing right now is basically um, taking the model of like an NBA or a minor league baseball team, where they're just like, you know, what we're gonna do? We're gonna load up our team entirely on prospects. We're fucking. They should. Um, excuse me. We are. There's a little kid in this bar. They, <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are cutting down all of. Uh, we're getting rid of absolutely all of those 30 plus year old players, and we're just Good. leaning in on the youth movement. And actually, the American youth. Um, system is really good and it has tons of players not i mean obviously not world-class 19 year olds like Pulisic, but a lot of players who are like Wea in psg system or playing for like literally Wea is playing for psg like that's huge that's awesome right yeah paris is a great team uh, among among others, like there's this guy who played in their most recent match, who is a 18 year old from Milwaukee, who's also six six, um, and what? in the Redding totally system. I have no idea who this is. <laughs> That's awesome. Though. Um, yeah, and and Darlington Nagby with Portland. Yep. Um, he's 25, 26. He actually looks really incredible. So there's this whole core of kids. Um, including the goalkeeper at Columbus and the ex DC United keeper, I'm just I'm I'm finally in on this this team. I, I I almost feel like missing the World Cup, and I hate to say it was a blessing in disguise for this. Actually, American I could see that. I could see that because it, the, like do you imagine they were like, stagnant running out Dempsey again or like fucking oh, Mike, Michael Bradley or like any Michael of these Bradley people. Still oh, pisses me God. off. How the hell do you go from being in the starting 11 at Roma and then decide you want to go back to the States? I don't get it. Doesn't I don't fucking sense. get it. Doesn't make any it's sense. like, it's even worse than what Donovan did because he was just young, you know? Yeah. And like, I, I, I get it, you, you know, California, sure. But like Toronto instead of Roma, and you were, you're not like not playing. You're in the starting 11. I just don't get it. And you just it. like move back home for I what? I money? I Fuck you, dude. And like, I, I almost choked, like, ch- um, um, I'm kind of checked out long term with the Jonah Gonzalez stuff where they had, like, right there. Unbelievably bad. exciting um, defensive midfield prospect, right? Who they, they let start walk. For? Um, he's in Liga Amekis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what, what team? Like, I don't remember which one. Pachuca, maybe. And okay. like, a, yeah, a good Liga Amekis, right? So. It's it's an embarrassment that we would have an 18-year-old defensive midfield prospect, part of this generation of American players we could do. Walk. He's from L.A. He's from L.A. He's from L.A. He's not from Mexico. He's from L.A. Well, and, and, like, it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, it's this vision that, like, the Alexi Lala-style vision that, like, if you don't, you know, if you don't feel it, if you don't feel that the only part of you that you ever would want to play for is the American national team, then you're not American enough is nonsense because, like, so many of our like of Americans 
players are going to be dual nationals and, and people who are immigrant parents. Like, we, we not only do, 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 does the United States have to play on this ground, it's not an embarrassment to play on this ground, considering that literally every other country does it. Like, Spain right. literally uh, is doing campaigns Diego Costa. to get Teo, <laughs> Teo and Lucas Hernandez to yeah. play for Spain and not France. Yep. It's not that complicated. It's, I don't know. But, uh, all right, last topic, Teddy, before we let you go, because Oman and I have a couple other things we need to talk about. Yeah, um, no problem. Zlatan. Yep, I saw that goal. Yeah. And the other goal. Yep. Are you, um, are you all in? I mean, because I am. I am. <sighs> I just wish he hadn't gone to L.A., but now that he's there, right. whatever. Right. Uh, the only thing that could make me change my mind, not change my mind, but that would make me even more excited is if Mario Balotelli somehow makes it to this league. That would be amazing. I know, and I've heard rumors, but, but like... I don't want that to happen because uh, the Italian national team never picks anyone in a crappy league. Yeah, but he wouldn't. he's not going to be picked for the Italian national team. He's too old I, and crazy. Balotelli? Yeah. Is he old? Know. I don't know. He's not that old. He's, old. <laughs> he's like 28, isn't he? I don't know. He feels like he's been around forever. I'm obsessed I, yeah. with him. That's because that, well, that's because he's been around since he was like 17. I mean, he did have the best celebration of all time, the "Why Always Me" shirt, which yeah, that's great. <laughs> although it does kind of upset me that his greatest his greatest uh, part of his career was like at Man City. That's just yeah. Um, <laughs> it does bum me out too. And um, he was also in the mix of this, um, the current you know, catastrophe surrounding UEFA slash FIFA's um, response to the um, racist chanting where... Yeah, I heard about that. So not only that, but they were also involved in... in so it was at Atalanta, but it was also the Russian fans against Mishi Batsuyashi. Yeah, um, I, I think just, that's what I heard about, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's this thing where... Um, Om, you had a really good tweet about it. Um, I think uh, it was something yeah. like they're about to. You know, we need to figure out whether you know Wave and FIFA actually cares about this stuff. And you're like, spoiler alert, they don't. Yeah, they they don't. I mean, we've seen we've seen it time and time again with the Ryan Brewster thing. With I mean, basically every single situation where they'll find teams for way way more trivial things and they'll find them like six hundred thousand you know, pounds or something like that. And then when a racism, you know, accusation comes up, they'll maybe fine the team like 50,000 pounds if they decide that the issue is serious or not. I mean, right. it's a joke. I mean, who was the player again who like complained about, you know, a racist chant and he walked off the field and then the referee yeah, gave him a yeah. card. It was, it's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. They, they don't take it seriously. And I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, maybe like a player revolution or something like that because the players are clearly getting more pissed off. I mean, there's been an uptick in players speaking out about this. But I haven't seen anything shift the needle for, for UEFA or FIFA for them to start taking this seriously. No, and like on some level, I think what we're going to see is this, this real you know, feet to the fire this summer, right? Because one of the most famously and violently racist uh, places to play this sport is Russia, right? Which is about to host the World Cup. Like Russia is it, has been, or Russian teams, Russian fans have been at the center of a lot of these uh, abuse cases over the past, and of course, as soon as right D- Dortmund or it was France, I think, goes to Russia to play a friendly, there you go, there are the races chance, and it's just going to keep happening until they do something that actually is meaningful, and you know, they're not, they just won't. I mean, like I, it's it's funny 
uh, Teddy, we, we've been joking on this show, um, on Let's Fix Football, obviously, on this show, about um, how <laughs> the British press and the, the tabloids are so funny because they're like, yeah, like, <laughs> the Russia, everyone's worried that the Russians are going to somehow poison or, like, whatever the British players in their hotel right. before they play, which is, I mean, look, it's objectively funny because, like, as if <laughs> the, the Russians have been poisoning the Brits for the last 50 years and that's why they have won a World Cup, right? But, like... Colonia, baby. <laughs> but there is also, like, a legitimate series of fears about, like, hosting the World Cup in this country that has been so, like, violent and, and, and volatile with respect to international relations, but also, like... It's just such an unple- like historically unpleasant place to play this sport, and like all, I there's think, a homophobia issues as well. Right. Also, didn't Zenit have like an official no black players policy? Yeah. Like, yeah, they did. I don't think it's they still do, but I mean they did for years, and it's just like it was just oh whatever, like nobody cares. Right, and like it's 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 I mean maybe this is what this. Maybe this is what this country needs, or what this organization needs, is a real scandal that's going to be broadcast to the absolute entire world. Like, imagine what happens when the French team goes to play some Eastern European side, and, like, the vast majority of the fans are there, and they just, like, start doing monkey chants and throwing bananas on the pitch. Yep. Like, I think that might finally give FIFA the kick in the ass that they need to, to, to just say, look, we're shutting this down. Like you guys I mean, yeah, if the players walk off in a World Cup match, I mean, that, that'll be a disaster for FIFA. And I can imagine the players doing that because the players are pretty fed up with it. So, I mean, if that kind of thing happens, that might prompt FIFA to do something because that would hurt you know, the yeah. money they receive, but it, it shouldn't come to that, right? We shouldn't have to wait no. till the fucking World Cup and have players walk off and, and that be a disaster. But the fact that that's even a possibility just shows, I mean, how ridiculous you know, the situation is and how, how basically how much our, our footballing organizations just don't care about, yeah. you know, a prevalent problem. Absolutely. You guys are more optimistic than I am. <laughs> I mean, I think nothing will change. And FIFA is just the most disgusting organization. Yep. Um, I mean, they were like they hosted the World Cup in Argentina when the like military junta was disappearing like thousands of people. Yep. I, yep. I just I, no, I just have no I have no faith. The only time I ever experienced in my entire life like praise for America abroad was when I was in Canada, was when the Obama's Justice Department um, threw down on FIFA on all the FIFA guys in Switzerland, and that was the only time I ever experienced any kind of like go America. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's how much people game. hate fucking FIFA. Um, they hate it more. They hate they hate FIFA more than America. They do. Um, <laughs> it's true, as they should. FIFA is the worst single NGO I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Um, Teddy, thank you so much for popping on Let's Fix Football. You absolutely rule, man. It's been an oh, absolute pleasure. Pleasure. Um, all right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, Evan will be back next week with uh, less. Uh, of a show recorded in a pub. All right. Well, <laughs> it was great to see you again. Have fun yeah, in Madrid. Buddy. Absolutely. Thanks. I could be holding you tonight. I could quit doing wrong and start doing right. You don't care about what I think. Think I'll just stay here and drink. Hey, putting you down won't square the deal At least you know the way 
I feel Hey, take all the money in the bank Think I'd just stay here and drink Hey, listen close and you can hear That loud jukebox playing in my ear Ain't no woman gonna change the way I think I think I'd just stay here and drink Yes, sir Just stay here and drink. 